you're listening to Passion Pod 25 with So Gourmet. How would you explain So Gourmet? Okay, so So Gourmet is um, an online club that I set up where we deliver um, kits to grow microgreens. Um, we send them out monthly, so it's all seasonal. And it's just a great way to get people growing food at home in an easy manner. So talk me through the actual products that you sell, because you have a whole range of them, don't you? Yeah. So, so it's all based around the same concept. So we, we have this micro greenhouse that comes flat packed in the box, as I mentioned. We supply it with different seeds, depending on seasons. Um, a microgreen is basically a baby vegetable. The thing with microbes are, when you know what they are, they're very simple things, but it's kind of quite hard to explain in this situation. So in essence, it's seedlings that are maybe a week to 10 days old. They look like cresses, but they taste really vividly of whatever vegetable they are. Yeah, that was what was amazing. There was a broccoli one, I think, yeah. I tried. And it's like a leaf. Yeah. And it tasted like a piece of broccoli. Yeah. It's, a, it's quite an exciting sensation for someone who has no yeah. knowledge of that kind of area of food. It was like, yeah, really strong for yeah. such a weeny little thing. Well, also, they're very nutritious. Um, for example, the broccoli has got 50 times more antioxidants than grown-up broccoli, pound for pound. So not only are the flavours strong and the colours vivid... They're really, really good for you. Added bonus. Yeah, definitely. So it's a seasonal thing, I guess, like any sort of fruit and veg. You do different packs at different times? Yeah, so the majority of them will grow all through the year. I haven't found one that won't grow all through the year because they grow indoors. But we try and tie certain flavours with certain times of year. So, for example, we'll do a micro basil in the summertime. Um, We'll do pea shoots in springtime because it works really well with, you know, nice, fresh spring flavours. And then in the wintertime... We do more mustard things, like spicier flavours. Um, and in January, for example, I do, um, I do a mix which is pak choy and broccoli, so it's like a micro detox, so it's perfect for the new year. The, Good, my favourite one is uh, February, because we do uh, rockets. Uh, rockets are known aphrodisiac, so we, we mix it with Valentine's Day. It kind of works quite Yeah, it is, rocket. yeah. Apparently so, yeah. yeah. So I haven't eaten enough bags of it yet. Of, I was going to say, <laughs> those bags of rocket and Tesco's. Apparently wow. so. Yeah. None of them flying off the shelves. <laughs> Um, so how on earth did you get into something like that? Okay, so um, I've always kind of been into design. I studied as an architect. Did that for a long time. Stopped it probably four months ago now. The industry wasn't very good. It wasn't really kind of progressing as I wanted to. So I went to France for a little bit. Then when I came back from there, moved down to London. And I've always had a passion for growing my own food and found out how difficult it was to do it within an urban environment. So, you know, taking big bags of soil on the bus and... You know, you want to get some seeds, but there's never somewhere you can get seeds in a city. You have to go to a garden centre. So it's always a bit of a mission. So a combination of my, my kind of keenness to uh, grow things and also my design background, I designed this kind of flat pack, easy way of growing. So It's really cool because that's a real obvious link about how the two kind of partnered yeah. up to what you have now. Very much so. I mean, especially the architecture. When I was designing the kits... It was using a lot of the software that I used in architecture and the ideas of geometry and things were kind of very important when I designed the kit because I wanted to uh, create this uh, micro greenhouse that we call it that would fold down to the size of a letter so we could post them to people and the price would be really uh, really cheap. They wouldn't have to wait to sign for things. It would just come through the door with the magazines and usual post. So it was kind of crucial to get it spot on and so the architecture was really important for that. Did you spend a lot of time developing this before you launched it? Because all of those different aspects, like to me, that's just like, wow, how can you think of that stuff? Yeah. Or was it something that kind of, you know, you thought, boom, one morning? I think, um, yeah, it did take a while. We probably spent probably a year researching, designing and things. But I would perhaps say now, looking back on it, I think it's always the case with your first venture, but I almost perhaps went a little bit too quickly with it for example the way we've designed it it works perfectly well but now going back on it I can see where I'm going to do the mark 2 already and obviously there's a lot of money involved in producing a product I mean the tooling costs alone just to create a little bit of plastic is about £6,000 
So you've got to remember that, that that's factored into the, the cost of the products. And if you only kind of produce five to 10,000 of them, then it's too expensive. You need to think long term. So it will, it's fine and it works as it is, but I could definitely see through investment or, or in maybe a couple of years' time how I could alter the product. But I guess that's part of it, isn't it? In the yeah. sense that that's the development of anything. Yeah. And, you know, there is the argument as well that if you wait too long on something... You miss the boat. Yeah, yeah. and you're waiting always for this perfect. Yeah. It must have been, was it quite a difficult decision to know when to kind of say, right, I've done enough of this designing of this, I need to actually start making it move forward? Yeah, I think it was... I was kind of passionate about really kind of getting the concept going and getting it out to people. So it was that, it was the driving force. It, we got to a point where, you know, there's only, like you said, there's only so much design you can do and in hindsight I probably could have added more to it but at the time it was just had to get it out and get it going you see yeah because that's the thing I guess and also for something like this it's the feedback I imagine is that quite yeah you do get a lot of feedback and and it's funny um it's always the same way when you set up a new business or you have a new concept you show it to you want to do market research so you show it to people um often you show it to people you know already and it's kind of funny because what I've learned is they'll say that's perfect that's brilliant it's not always brilliant. It's a, sometimes a friend of mine, Jason, who's got a very successful business, was, it's a bit of a crude way of looking at it, but he says, listen to people that write the checks. Don't listen to your friends because they, they, they may not tell you completely what you want to hear, but they'll definitely kind of sway towards your, your side. Without even trying to, they almost do as well. Yeah. It's like it's an innate thing. And also people from very different backgrounds. So for working out price points, you want to, um, you know, send it to people who are, make lots and lots of money, people who don't make any money, for people who are into design, people who aren't, people who grow food, people who don't. You know, so you, need, you don't want to just sit within your circle of friends who probably have a very similar background to yourself. Um, you need to kind of really push it and try it with different people. Do you think that helps you shape who your target market is as well with that? I still don't know who my target market is. We've got a stall at Borough Market and we've been trading there for a year and a half and it's so varied, the people that buy our products. There is the whole kind of yummy mummy with children element of it because the kids love it because it's great and it's very tangible and they can learn how to grow food. The parents love it for that as well because the kids are learning about healthy food. So I would say there's, there's definitely an element of you know, that, that side of the market. So it, it, there isn't really a target market, but I've definitely noticed certain trends in certain areas. What do you think has been your biggest challenge setting this up, Tom? What like, hurdles have you found specifically difficult? Um, I think testing is always difficult. You, you need to make sure you test the product really hard before you take it to market. That was definitely hard work. Getting through to the right people. I've got this stall at Borough Market. I was very lucky because someone saw my product at a supper club, liked it and talked about it to one of their friends. And this friend, uh, he had a stall at Borough. He had you know, a good background there. So that really helped me get in there. But um, I think that's the, the hardest thing. You need, you need to talk to as many people as possible because you know, at the very least... You can have a conversation with someone, it doesn't go any further, but then if they send you an email in a couple of weeks' time saying, love the product, let's go for a beer and talk about it a bit more, then that's great. So I think, yeah, telling people about it. Do you find that drive hard when you're working your own product Mm. all the time to be conscious of it? Or do you think when you're passionate and you're doing something like this, it kind of just comes? It, It comes at first. You can get very tired with the product very easily. So the passion is great for the first six months. And you can live off the adrenaline or the passion for the first six months quite happily. But then it gets to a point where it's like a roller coaster. You get tired. Most people who, who with entrepreneurial kind of ideas, they're not nine to five people. They, they work very hard. I mean, I'll be up in the middle of the night because something comes to my head and I'll write it down and go about it from there. But then I'll have a mid-afternoon nap sometimes because your brain's worn out. So it's, it's one of those things. It's a complete roller coaster setting up your own business. And yeah, you've got to just know that 
even when you're in a bit of a lull, just to kind of keep going and try and keep your brain fresh because it will sort itself out again. Do you have any tips or tricks about how you do that? I think for me, it's food. I love cooking and I find it kind of very relaxing. So you've got to have a nice off occasion. You can't work 24-7 because you'll, you'll never get anywhere. You'll just wear yourself out. So I'd either maybe go and cook some food. I tr- often like to do it for my friends because that way it's a much more relaxed environment and you can perhaps half talk about business and half talk about the weather or you know whatever over some lovely food. And, and for me, that's a really good way of relaxing and getting my head fresh for next go kind of thing I love that though as well because you're is so food centric and actually yeah. it's still doing it but yeah, it's like it's, but it's in separate, a different yeah, mind yeah, um, so what's your inspiration do you think um, I, I don't know about inspiration I mean my friend Jason's a massive inspiration he set up a business 18 months ago and uh, it's now worth in its millions um, wow yeah uh, he owns rights to uh, Nigerian movies but he's he's one of these guys that's he's never given up I think when running your own business you read a lot of information from different uh, you know, websites. There's a website called Inc.com, which is great to give you information on you know, startups and things. And nine out of ten people, their first business fails. So you've got to be prepared that it may not be the first or the second or the third. If you want to be running your own business, you might have to wait you know, five or six businesses down the line. I mean, this guy Jason had so many failed businesses and true. At, at one point, he was living in a car for a while. And now um, he's got offices in New York, London, Nigeria... And he's got maybe 120 people working for him or so. so That's a good person to be hanging around with when you're starting up your business. Exactly. It's inspira- he's my inspiration because you know, he's, he's gone from the very low to... He's in Forbes this month, so there you go. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty yeah. good From example. sleeping in a car to Forbes in two years is, is not bad. God, we all need to have a Jason in our lives, I feel. <laughs> um, what do you see as the future for Sogolmay? Anything exciting coming up? Yeah, um, I've just launched uh, my new website... So uh, it's very much like the old one, but it looks a lot prettier. I designed the old one myself and it looks atrocious. So I've had some help with this one. So we're almost relaunching the product uh, in the next couple of weeks. We're tying in with a lot of sustainable food people. Lots of young little restaurants, pop-up restaurants and things, trying to get them to use our products because it's a great way of people seeing you know, the product in use and then being able to take it home with them. So it, it's all about really, for me, pushing the new website and getting it out in front of people um, whether it's delis or restaurants or however my last question would probably be if, what advice that you wish you'd been given when you started out if you could start again what advice would have been really handy for you at the beginning if you've got a good idea don't let anyone tell you that it's not a good idea get as much experience and talk to as many people as possible but don't let them tell you it's not a good idea also for me it was cash flow issues so so I set up the business nearly two years ago now and I finished architecture probably Five months ago now. Because the thing is, if you're going to be setting up a new business, you need to be able to pay the bills. Otherwise, you you just get tired and it stresses you out and you can't do anything. So don't stop your day job until you know you've got money coming in from your business. And at the very least, if you do have to stop your day job, look for a bar job or something. Just something to pay the rent. Because setting up your own business, you learn how to be very clever with money because you have to be. So even if you've only got enough money coming in each month to pay the rent and give you enough to eat bread, you, you do it. It's part of the game. You have to sign once you sign up. That's what you signed up. Yeah, for the it. sacrifice. It's it's part of it. You know, you think in your head that it's going to cost ten grand to set up a business. It's not the case. I mean, you look at someone like I think Gray's. I always presume that Grace set up on maybe a hundred grand, and it turns out I think they had VC investments of about two million. So make sure you're clever about money. You don't need to go to banks to get money because at the moment banks aren't really lending stuff. So there's you can go to things like Business Link online. Look at like crowdfunding. There's a big one, Kickstarter, who are in the US at the moment, but they're just about to launch in the UK. It's a fantastic way to get investment into the business. And much, I would say much better than, than going to 
you know, VCs or angels or to the bank. So, so sort of just sussing out what other options you have in the, in the financial mm. point of yeah, view. Yeah, just, just be aware track. that it's going to cost more than you think it is and be clever with money. For example, um, I've got a friend who, who builds websites. Um, he needed a graphic designer to work with him. Rather than spend thousands of pounds on a graphic designer working with him, he went to a young, very good graphic designer and said, look, you can come and help work with me on this project. You can use it for your portfolio. So the designer's building up a portfolio while working for free or very little. My friend who's doing the website is getting free graphic design. So there's very clever ways of working with other people in a similar situation to you. You've been listening to Passion Pod 25 with Sogolmay.